values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, talk further talk about the economy. Is there good and bad? We're starting to see a mixture of things. A couple of things that going into the Labor Day weekend, we are seeing that fuel prices on average in Arizona have dropped below $4 a gallon. That's relief for families. That's a great thing. Let's hope they keep going down. There's going to be questions about supply as soon as we start seeing COVID things open up in other countries. China's been on lockdown, but right now we're very happy to see it's back below 4 bucks a gallon, which shows you how bad things were for a while because we are happy about it dipping below four bucks a gallon. So that's, we still got a long way to go to get back to where we were, but at least we are seeing uh, consecutive days and weeks with uh, dropping fuel prices. That's good for people that will travel this weekend. We also know the job market is still very strong. The uh, And so the concerns now, wages are high, but inflation is higher. That's where the concerns are for families. So the bright spot in the economy, as we've talked about very, very often, is that people are able to get employment, are able to get jobs. If someone needs a second job, there are jobs out there for people. That is the bright spot because people are having a very hard time with one job keeping up with their bills the way they did a couple of years ago. Here is a story from the Wall Street Journal. Turkey supplies have become stretched this year after an avian influenza outbreak. So the bird flu outbreak has affected 39 states this year, led to the death of more than 40 million birds, including roughly 6 million turkeys, according to the Department of Agriculture. So uh, breast meat. Prices for consumers have climbed above $6.50 a pound this year compared with less than $2 a pound two years ago. So uh, it's going to be an expensive Thanksgiving. We have to keep our eye on the economy for a multitude of reasons. And um, again, you can't – as much as I disagree, I try – maybe I'm not fair. Maybe I just think I am. Um <laughs> You can't blame Joe Biden for dead turkeys. You know, as much as we stretch our political leanings and our political beliefs, you can't blame this president and the administration for everything. But this is where the other side of the aisle for me has to make some concessions that there there's an expectation in leadership where there's going to be a reaction. I've made this comparison quite a bit. Anybody, you know, growing up like I did in the Gulf of Mexico, it's it's like a big lake. The seas are not very rough. Anybody can captain a ship in calm waters. Anybody can fly a plane when it's in the air and there's no turbulence. It's the taking off and landing you get paid for, especially in bad weather. If you are if you are the captain of a ship, you earn your money in rough seas. One of my favorite shows on TV for a very long time has been the deadliest catch. It's about the Alaska crab fishermen. And to watch those captains captain those boats with crewmen on deck uh, and, and trying to haul in those big crab pots in 20, 30-foot seas and keep everybody on board and alive is a, is a skill that not most people possess, that many people possess uh, in sports when you are the coach of a team a, a football team a baseball team it doesn't matter what sport it is and you have an injury to a key player it doesn't matter that it's not your fault you are responsible to mitigate the damage so I not only don't think that this administration has done anything to mitigate damage, I think they've made it worse in a lot of ways. You may disagree with me. Maybe your political leanings agree with this, but I don't. I just don't agree with any of it. And 
when you look at what's going on with the Inflation Reduction Act, which later on we're going to talk a little bit more about that and how one representative, a Democratic representative, said blatantly that that's what it's called, but we know what it really is. And uh, everything is done in the interest of climate change. From this administration, high prices don't matter, uh, high taxes don't matter, whatever it is, it, this for them is about climate change first. And I think that's what frustrates a lot of Americans because the priorities of the American people don't match up with that. The priorities of the American people have a lot more to do, and it varies from political group and age and everything else, but the majority of Americans are looking at the economy and they're looking at what it costs to make a living, and that first and foremost is their biggest concern. And it goes out from there. Climate change is not very high on the list, but for this White House, it is the number one issue, and everything they do flows out of that idea. And so I think the American public feels disconnected in that way. You can't blame the president for dead turkeys, the avian flu. You can't, you can't blame them for that. But what we do talk about is what are they doing? And I'll go through a list to be fair of a couple of things. When we were told, and we were told, I'm saying we on this show, I was told by people in the retail industry. I've talked about my friend Kristen Bentz. She informed me months before it became an issue. She said, this is going to be huge. The largest port in the entire planet is in China, and it shut down for six weeks because of COVID-19. There are going to be huge supply chain issues of getting those goods that we buy from China here. This is going to be a big deal. And sure enough, six weeks later, that's all anybody was talking about. Well, how long did it take the president to do anything? And they did nothing. The president flew to the port of L.A., had the photo op in the background and said, we're going to get this port open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we're going to fix this. It was too little, too late. He's done the same thing with the border, sending the vice president down there and giving a photo op and a speech and, and then leaving and never going back. We see what a disaster the border is. The people in America and, and inflation, we were told it was transitory inflation. We were told it was going to jump up a little bit, then it was going to fall back off. That has not happened. So all of the things that are excuses from the administration Russia, when it comes to food supply and wheat, when it comes to oil and it comes to fuel prices, when it comes to all of those other excuses that they make, there's some validity that those things happened. But the American people have an expectation that you're going to anticipate when things are going one way and you're going to do something to mitigate the damage. The problem that most Americans have is that they've done nothing to mitigate the damage. This class warfare idea in this um, Inflation Reduction Act where you're going to hire 87,000 more um, IRS agents. 87,000 more. You're increasing the regulatory power of the EPA on the oil companies and on other companies. When you are doing those things, that is counterproductive to making it easier for people to produce the goods that we consume. Whether it's food or it's uh, fossil fuels, whatever it is. And people can see it. And you don't have to be some diehard Republican to look at this and say, you priorities are wrong. And when you do something, it's usually too little, too late. We're going to talk more about the speech later on in the show. But in a moment, we're going to talk about guns and gun control. Wait until you hear what the governor of New York said about good guys and guns. That's coming up next. Next. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. A uh, frequent conversation on the show has to do with guns and gun safety and law-abiding citizens owning guns and who are the real problems. Uh, a couple of things that are happening. There was a Supreme Court decision that said that the people of New York d- uh, do not have to give a valid reason for wanting a, a concealed carry permit, that um, they have to be given one. You can have rules, but you have to make them available to everybody. I don't have to have a good reason, and I don't have to have my reason validated by some in the government. If I want a concealed carry permit in New York, I should be able to petition the government and say, what are your requirements? Not them saying to me, well, why do you need it? And then we'll decide whether or not you can have one based on that. That's how this all started. So they come up with a bunch of new rules of what they are going to do. And one of them I thought was really fascinating. In New York, if you want a concealed carry permit, and I believe this will be challenged, if you want a concealed carry permit in um in New York, you've got to turn over your social media accounts. Now, who's going to do that? Are you really going to turn over your passwords to your social media accounts to people in the government? Are you joking? But that's one of the new rules. The New York City mayor, um, who has had a battle going on with Texas, as we know, uh, Eric Adams is his name. He said, we are going to implement old-fashioned policing techniques as a statewide law and guns went into effect Thursday. He said, this is about using good old-fashioned methods of doing investigations. Uh, when I became a police officer, people knocked on my neighbor's doors and interviewed them and asked what type of person I am. And I think those are the same skills that are going to be used to look at not only on social media, but knocking on neighbor's doors, speaking to people, finding out who this individual is that we are about to allow to carry a firearm in our city. Pretty amazing that that's what the mayor of New York is doing. Um, you know, okay, you haven't committed a crime. I'm not going to, I want to get into it, but I want you to hear what I think is one of the most absurd statements about firearms. And I have, there's been some pretty absurd things being said. This is the governor of New York talking about the gun laws and New York stance. We don't need guns on our streets. We don't need people carrying guns in our subways. We don't need people carrying guns in our schools. We don't need people carrying guns in our places of worship. We don't need them carrying them into guns, into bars or restaurants. That only makes people less safe. This whole concept that a good guy with a gun will stop the bad guys with a gun, it doesn't hold up. There's no such thing as a good guy with a gun. How absurd is that? It doesn't hold up. The good guys with guns. Um, do you remember there was this little thing that happened uh, a few decades ago that kind of changed the world? Um, it was called World War II. Um, would you say that the um, Army Rangers that climbed the cliffs at Point Du Hoc to stop those anti-ship, uh, anti, uh, yeah, anti-ship guns, uh, would you say our guys that won that battle – uh, were good guys with guns. How about the other? How about the American Revolution that forged this country? How about that? How about the men and women in Iraq? Well, those are soldiers. So, oh, what about policemen? No, those. Okay, so there are good guys with guns, but only if we either have them in the military or they're carrying a badge. What about this? Let's confuse it even more. How about former members of our military? Or former members of law enforcement. What about a retired cop? Is that a good guy with a gun or a good girl with a gun? 
the stance by someone like this is absolutely 100% ignorant, ignorant on, uh, on guns. It, it's just absolutely not true. And um, when you look at this, you have to shake your head and wonder, how do these people run a state? What they are doing is demonizing, again, this demonization of people. You demonize somebody, you don't understand it. So because you don't understand it, it means nobody should be able to understand it. That this is um, um, something that is, is a little bit more out of their league. That this is something nobody should have. Nobody should do this. So the Second Amendment is there. They talk about people that don't want abortions and say they are taking away basic rights. This is what President said it in his speech. This governor has said it many times. People have talked about that are in favor of, of abortions at some level, whatever the level is. They have said that Republicans are trying to take away basic rights. What would you call this? What's funny is they would use the same argument that the pro-life crowd uses. This is about saving lives. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? Well, that's not that's not a compare. Sure, it's a fair comparison. If someone like myself actually believes it's a human life, it deserves to be saved. Well, you care about them when they're in the womb, but you don't care when you can make all the arguments you want like that. We can play political whack-a-mole all day long. The fact of the matter is the Second Amendment was is there for a reason, and they are doing everything they can to circumvent it. And the governor of New York believes that there is no such thing as a good guy with a gun, no matter how many news stories are out there where it's happened. Um I've told this story here, and it's just one small example. When I say small, I mean it's just one example out of many. What happened, what this person did was huge. Um, out in the far west valley, there was this horrible car crash and a murder where this guy killed his girlfriend. They wrecked the car. They rolled the car. Uh, DPS shows up on scene, and this guy attacks a trooper. And he traffic is backed up and he attacks this trooper and his gun jams after shooting. And he begins to beat this trooper as horrific as this is sounds. He begins to beat this trooper to death with his gun. This private citizen, and I don't want to give his name away, but I've met him and we've talked and he's a good man. This private citizen pulled out his own private firearm and shot the suspect dead. Had to shoot him twice to kill him. Had he not done that, that state trooper, that trooper would have been dead in the road on the I-10 in the West Valley. It's just one example of what a good guy with a gun can do in the face of a bad guy with a gun. The premise that it's not possible, the premise that there is no such thing as a good guy with a gun, and these are the people making rules about guns. Now you wonder how we get them. In a moment... Uh, President Biden in the nationwide speech, we'll talk a little bit more if you missed what he said last night. We'll give you some of the highlights in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. 
Hey, thanks for being here. I uh, want to continue our conversation. Uh, the president of the United States, I, I want you to hear um, a couple of things from President Biden. Let's go back. Uh, this goes back to a town hall meeting in September of 2020 before he was elected president. This is what Joe Biden, candidate, former vice president, candidate Biden said he was going to do as president of the United States. I plan to unite the nation. I'm running as a Democrat. But I'm going to be everyone's president. I'm not going to be a Democratic president. I'm going to be America's president. Even people on his side of the aisle uh, have said that this is last night's speech was a huge break in a campaign promise. And that's absolutely what's happened. Um, this is a broken promise in the campaign. Um, I I fight every day and I mean argue. I debate every day. I, I, and I'll be honest. I, I don't usually care. What someone thinks of me, the certainly people that don't know me, I am surrounded by people. I have people in my life that I really care about and um, their opinions about me matter. When they think I've failed, I listen um, and and I try then to judge whether or not I'm doing the right thing based on their feedback. But, you know, if you don't know me and then when you I mean, I'm in this weird place where um, I talk to a lot of people every morning. So people think they know you. And so when people have sent me really nice messages and I'm flattered by them, but I don't take them to heart. They, I, I may meet them someday and they might think I'm a complete jerk. But because they like what I've said on the radio for a few minutes, then I, I love the compliment. But I don't let that go to my head and think that's what people believe in me. And the other way around, too, when I go on Twitter, the the angry, hateful what I love about this is the hypocrisy in this is so amazing. The tolerant, inclusive people on Twitter that are just vile in the things they say about people. Um, you want to see this is part of the hypocrisy of where we live. Um, if you're driving right now, uh, find a car around you or the next time you see a car around you that has one of those coexist bumper stickers on the back, honk your horn at that person and see what they do. See how many fingers they hold up when they wave at you. See how angry they get. So the coexist idea, you know, the idea of if you agree with me that we all should love each other, then you're okay. But if you don't agree with me, then I'm going to rip your head off. I'm going to kill you in the interest of peace. And, and that attitude makes me laugh about people. The president said in his promise that he was going to unite this country. What he has done, what he did last night was take us so far backwards for all of the people. And this is the hypocrisy that we all possess, I think. Um, For those of you that hated the division that was caused by Donald Trump. The things he said about the media and fake news and it's going to be a danger to people in the media and all the things that he said that were divisive and he's racist and he conjures up anger in people and look at the Proud Boys and look about what happened uh, you know, when Antifa got into a fight with the Proud Boys and Antifa was lauded as heroes. And I thought, no, you know how dumb that is? Um, here's how little I know about gangs. I know about three or four different names. I know the Bloods. I know the Crips. Um, I know MS-13. And that's about my depth of knowledge of gangs. And I know there's a, a lot more. But uh, it, it is if it is if as if um, the uh, the Crips had a big barbecue going on somewhere or a rally somewhere and the bloods came back and started a fight and chased them out of the park and you say wow those 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 crips those guys are the good guys no neither were good guys neither were good guys 
But you went crazy about the division that was being fostered and the anger in America and the waving of the Confederate flag and all this other stuff under Donald Trump. And yet last night's speech was a unifier. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. What they are doing is absolutely the wrong thing to do. Um, and for my point of view, it takes us backwards. I, I don't. I don't like any of Joe Biden's policies. I've never had a personal issue with the president. Uh, I've never gone at we certainly haven't gone after him. I haven't gone after him the way other people went after Trump. All of the questions about Donald Trump's mental health, mental health professionals on national television day after day after day, assessing the mental health and capabilities of the president, wanting to invoke the 25th Amendment to get him out of office because he had no business near the nuclear codes, that he was becoming senile, that he had dementia. These are medical professionals going on major cable news networks saying that about the president. I've never said that about Joe Biden. All of the gaffes and all of the stuff, we laugh, we joke about stuff. I've never gone after his mental health. I've never come on the air and done that because I think it makes us a weaker country. But Joe Biden went out there and divided this country right down the middle. Right down the middle. And he did exactly what the complaint is when you lump everyone together. The BLM protests, Black Lives Matters protests, mostly peaceful. Remember that? That was the mantra. Nancy Pelosi from the now vice president, uh, Harris, uh, everybody on that side of the aisle took to the streets and said and made sure they always called them mostly peaceful protests, which I'm not saying was the wrong thing to say. Here we are about January 6th, and everybody in, in MAGA hats guilty of being insurrectionists. That's what that speech did last night. They are doing everything, the Biden administration, doing everything they claim to hate about the Trump administration. And I think it's wrong. I think it's divisive. I think it is absolutely horrific what the president said last night. And I do believe that in the end that he's not going to get huge rave reviews for this. And there are going to be a lot of people that see it as a negative. That's just my belief. In a moment, school closures. Oh, this one is one of my favorites. Uh, You're going to hear about school closures and whose fault it was coming up in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time here with us. This is great. I, you got to hear this. This is some really, really, really good stuff. Um, we've got to talk about, uh, I got to find it in here first because we have so much going on in here. Um, we have got to talk about schools. Um And uh, the Trump administration is being blamed, if you can believe this, that the Trump administration is being blamed by the Biden administration for school closures. Um, Are you joking? I I, honestly, I just uh, I I want you um, listen to this. I want you to hear this is Corrine Jean-Pierre talking about what the Biden administration did. This is amazing. So let's step back to where we were not too long ago when this president walked into this administration, how mismanaged the pandemic, the response to the pandemic was, how 47 percent of schools were in less than six months. uh, Our schools went from 40 46 percent to to open to nearly all of them being open to full time. That was the work of this president. And that was the work of Democrats in spite of Republicans not voting for uh, the American Rescue Plan. Okay. 
So the Trump administration was the problem. Listen to this one. Low test scores. I think that's what we see. That's how we saw. It, it shows you how mismanaged uh, the pandemic was uh, and how the impact of that mismanagement had on the on, on kids progress and academic well-being. <laughs> Um, the teacher organizations across the state of Arizona that had been doing shutdowns, that had what they called sick outs, uh, their words, not mine, um, not that you got to hear them until we played them on the air because they did them in their little closed off private groups that you can't get into. Um, but it was the Trump administration. So I want you to hear this. This now, this is actually an ad, an old ad from the Democrat, from the DNC. In 2020, when Trump was running for re-election, this is what they said about Trump and schools. New cases in a single day. Four million cases. Desperate to reopen schools because he thinks it will save his re-election. We have to open the schools. Critical shortage of PPE. Threatening their funding. When they don't open their schools, we're not going to fund them. Ignoring how the virus spreads. Risking teachers' and parents' lives. Going against the advice of experts. It's had very little impact on young people. Do you trust him to do what's best for our children? Because this is not a test. Trump is failing. I aced it. I aced the test. Oh, so they went after him because he wanted to open schools in 2020. And in 2022, they blame him for school closures. It's an amazing world we live in. And I will tell you that they will not stop the mantra. That this is one thing, and I'm giving them um, I'm giving them a compliment here. When they get a narrative, they stick to it. It doesn't matter how absurd it is. They claimed that they were never a part of the defund the police movement. The DNC leaders in that party say they were not behind defund the police. The vice president of the United States, when she was a senator, raised money for the bail for BLM activists that had rioted in the streets. They took to the streets and called them mostly peaceful protests, which I don't disagree with. But they defended the peaceful part. They ignored the violent part. Then they raised money. The vice president of the United States raised money for the bail for people that had looted and rioted at these protests. And then when it backfired on them, when crime skyrocketed in cities that defunded the police, they claimed they were never in favor of it. And now they're saying that the Trump administration is responsible for school closures. If you don't see the absurdity in this, the pure overt politics in this, it's just a lie. It's just a lie. And here's my favorite punchline of all. Oh, I hope I find it in the stack quickly before I run out of time. Oh, my gosh. It was the best one of all. Um, here it is. The National National Institute of Health. And it's, um, it's therapy guidelines for COVID-19. Um, remdesivir, uh, Pav, uh, Paxlovid, um, Manu, Manup, if, I can't even pronounce that one. Interferons is another one. And last but not least on the list from the National Institute of Health is ivermectin. 
The National Institute of Health now lists ivermectin. It's an it says an, ivermectin is an antiparasitic drug that is being evaluated to treat COVID nineteen. That's their treatment guidelines. All of you out there that believe that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were drugs that could help in the treatment. And all of you were roundly ridiculed because you would use a horse dewormer as a treatment, but you won't take a vaccine. This is we are living in a twilight zone. We live in the twilight zone. The National Institute of Health now lists ivermectin on its website. And they mocked anybody that used it before. I know people that were going to Mexico to get it because doctors wouldn't prescribe it here. Pharmacies would not issue it. It's the world we live in. The world we live in. Bright spots in the economy. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Good news about some things in the economy. It's not all good. We've got to watch about prices. But there are a couple of things that have happened that are silver linings. We'll talk about those in a moment. 